Well, we're going to be back in um, Hebrews again today, continue our series on Hebrews as we just work through this letter. Uh, in the, about, what, four weeks ago, I think it was, Ian took us into chapter 8, actually took us through chapter 8, and so just uh, praying and seeking the Lord on what to do today, uh, I just felt it would be good to stay in chapter 8, but look at some of the background to what we looked at at chapter 8. Because in chapter 8, this, the subject of God's covenants comes up. And uh, that's really what I want to focus in on today. Because I realize that often people don't really have a background when we read the book of Hebrews as to what he's actually talking about when he talks about the old covenant and the new covenant and what is all these covenants and what is this thing about covenants. And so I want to just have a look at one of the great themes, not only of the book of Hebrews, but of the Bible, which is this theme of covenant. In fact, the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when we talk about a testament, what are we talking about? We're talking about two covenants. So you can see just how central this subject of covenants is to the whole of Scripture. God is a covenant-making God. And that's what we're going to see today. He's a God who makes covenants. He enters into covenants with people. And He's made numerous covenants throughout history. And Scripture tells us about these covenants and explains them to us and describes them to us. And Scripture also shows us that covenants are central to all of God's dealings with humanity. When God wants to enter into a relationship with someone, what does He do? He makes a covenant with that person. When He wants to do something for somebody, what does He do? He makes a covenant with that person to do that thing that He wants to do. And so His relationships and His dealings with people are governed by covenants. And you know that that's the same for us here today as well? God's dealings with us as people is going to be governed by covenants that He's made. And so it's vital that we understand these covenants, that we have a good working knowledge of them. If there were no covenants, there would be no salvation, there would be no gospel, there would be no hope for any of us. All of this, everything that we talk about Sunday by Sunday, is the result of God's covenants that He has made through time. And so today, this is what we want to do. We want to have a look at covenants a little bit closer than what uh, Ian looked at in the last, uh, the last time that he took us through chapter 8. And I think what it'll do is it'll just set that platform as we move into chapter 9 and chapter 10 for us to really be able to get the full import of what the writer is saying. So let's start off by asking a question, what is a covenant? What is a covenant? So Ian explained this in his last sermon, and I don't want to go into great detail about it, but let me just give you a definition of what a covenant is, biblically speaking. So I think it's going to go up there. There it is. Biblically speaking, a covenant is the most extreme and binding form of a promise made for a specific purpose with specific terms and guarantees often sealed with the shedding of blood. And so you might have heard the title, uh, Blood Covenant. That comes from the Scriptures because God's covenants are sealed with the shedding of blood. 
God has made five major covenants with people since the beginning of time. And today I want to take you through these five covenants. Because if we don't understand these covenants, we will not understand Scripture. Because the whole of Scripture is built around these covenants. So let's have a look at them. The first one is what we call the Noahic covenant, which God made with Noah in about 2500 BC. Now the reason I'm bringing these dates in is because I want you to know that these are not just some stories that we're telling. These are historical facts. You know, our faith is based on history. It's based on facts. It's not just based on conjecture and myth and fables. It is based on historical facts. So 2500 BC, the Noahic covenant. The second one is the Abrahamic covenant, which was about 500 years later. The third one, the Mosaic Covenant, about 1,500 years before Christ. The fourth one, the Davidic Covenant, which was about 500 years after that. And then the last one, the New Covenant, which was established 30 AD. Do you know when it was established? The night before Jesus was betrayed. And at the cross, His blood was shed to seal it. All right, so let's have a look at these five covenants today. Let's start off with the Noahic Covenant. Covenant, and I want to read from Genesis chapter 9, verse 8 to 15. We're going to see some wonderful truths that are just going to help us to be able to understand God's dealings with us. Every single one of these covenants has a bearing on our lives. So let's have a look at this one. Verse 8, God said to Noah and his sons, Look, I now confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you, including the birds, the domestic animals, and every living creature of the earth with you, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature of the earth, I confirm my covenant with you. Never again will all living things be wiped out by the waters of a flood. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. And God said, this is the guarantee of the covenant I'm making with you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all subsequent generations. I will place my rainbow in the clouds and it will become a guarantee of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, then I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures of all kinds, never again will the waters become a flood and destroy all living things. So this covenant God made, and he made it with a specific group of people. Who was, who was it made with? Noah and his sons and their descendants. Do you know that every single one of us falls into that category today? Because after the flood, there were only eight people left. Noah, his sons, and their wives. And from them have come every human being that is alive on the face of the earth today. So when God made this covenant with Noah all those thousands of years ago, He was making it with you and with me. And He was making it with every animal and every creature that has ever lived on this planet. And so what was His promise in this covenant? That He would never again destroy the world with a flood like He did in the days of Noah. And you know that he never will. We don't even have to worry about that. Why? Because God has made a covenant and through this covenant promised us this. We see here that God gave a sign. 
And he said the rainbow is going to be the sign of this covenant. And it's going to guarantee the covenant. I don't know if you've ever driven down the road and it's been raining and you see that beautiful rainbow that goes from one side to the other. Do you know every time I see that, I'm reminded of this covenant. And isn't it interesting that the rainbow comes out when the rain is stopped? It's God reminding not only himself, but reminding us that never again will this earth be destroyed with a flood. All right, so that's the first covenant, and every single one of us is living under the protection of this covenant, the Noahic covenant. Let's go to the second one, the Abrahamic covenant. We see this in Genesis chapter 15, verse 7 to 18. Let's read it. The Lord said to him, that's to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, by what can I know that I am to possess it? The Lord said to him, Take for me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. So Abraham took all these for him, and then cut them in two, and placed each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. When the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun went down, Abram fell sound asleep, and great terror overwhelmed him. And then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign country. They will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will execute judgment on the nation that they will serve. And afterward, they will come out with many possessions. But as for you, you will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will return here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its limit. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking firepot with a flaming torch passed between the animal parts. That day the Lord made a covenant with Abram. To your descendants I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River. So once again, we see God made a covenant with a specific person. Who did he make this covenant with? With Abraham. And it had a specific promise. What was that promise? That God would give the land that he was dwelling in as a stranger, as a foreigner, to his descendants. And we know what that land is. It's described here. It had a specific purpose, this covenant that God made. Abraham asked this question, Lord, how am I to know that my descendants will inherit this land? So how did God make it certain? He made a covenant with Abraham. And there was a sign of this covenant that God gave. We see this in Genesis 17, 11. God said, you must circumcise the flesh of your foreskins. This will be a reminder of the covenant between me and you. So have you ever wondered why the Jews do that? It goes right back to this covenant here that God made with Abraham. So we see this covenant was to guarantee the inheritance of that land to Abraham's offspring. That's what this covenant was about. And it was made specifically with Abraham. Do you know that everything that took place in Egypt, when God through Moses did all those miraculous signs... And when he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, he did exactly what he had said to Abraham. 
He was fulfilling his covenant when he did that. Those mighty acts that God did, those mighty judgments that he brought on Egypt, were all as a result of this covenant, to fulfill this covenant that he made with Abraham. He, the, the, why did the Red Sea part? Why did God do that? Because he was committed to the covenant he had made with Abraham. And so all those miracles, the manna in the wilderness, water coming out of a rock, the miracles that we see as Joshua enters into the promised land and takes the nation of Israel in there, even to the st sun standing still in the sky for a period, every single one of those miracles was all in fulfillment of this covenant that God gave to Abraham. Do you know that the nation of Israel is back in the land that he gave to Abraham today because of this covenant? God has ne he never has forgotten this covenant. This covenant stands. It's an eternal, perpetual covenant that is still in force today. All right, so let's go on to the third covenant. It's the Mosaic covenant, which is referred to in the, the book of Hebrews as the old covenant or the first covenant. When was this covenant made? Well, it was made with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So straight after that time, when they'd come through the Red Sea, God made this covenant. And so he was making it with Abraham's descendants. So let's just read a little bit about this in Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 to 6. It says, In the third month after the Israelites went out from the land of Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they had journeyed from Rephidim, they came to the desert of Sinai, and they camped in the desert. Israel camped there in front of the mountain, that's Mount Sinai. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. Thus you would tell the house of Jacob and declare to the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I lifted you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. That's the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. And now, if you will diligently listen to me and keep my covenant, the Mosaic covenant, then you will be my special possession out of all the nations, for all the earth is mine. And you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you will speak to the Israelites. So, what do we see here? We see God making another covenant, and He's making it with who? The nation of Israel. And what is this covenant about? Well, it has a specific promise that they would be God's special possession out of all the nations and they would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Okay, sounds a bit like 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, doesn't it? Who did God make this with? With the nation of Israel. God didn't make this covenant with any of the other nations. It was a specific nation, the nation that he brought out of Egypt, that he entered into covenant with and gave this promise to. But there's one difference that we do see here. Unlike the Noahic covenant and the Abrahamic covenant, God required something of the people of Israel. You see what he says? If you will diligently listen to me and keep my covenant, then you will be my special possession. So there was a condition, and it was dependent upon the people to fulfill God's law, the terms of the covenant, for this covenant to stand. That's very important for us to understand. The Noahic covenant, God didn't say, require anything of Noah. He just said, this is what I'm going to do. The Abrahamic covenant, God didn't require anything of Abraham. He just said, 
All you to do is to be circumcised. That was it. But here we see a whole host of terms were given to the nation of Israel. And God said, if this covenant is going to be in effect, you must obey everything I give you. Every one of the terms. If you don't, you'll be cursed. But if you do, you'll be blessed. All right, so it's important for us just to understand these things because this is all going to help us to have a full understanding of what Scripture teaches. So this covenant that God gave here through Moses was really to ensure or to enable the people of Israel to live in the land that he had given to Abraham without being cursed, to live under his blessing in the land. What was the outcome of this covenant? Well, it failed. And it failed on two fronts. Number one, it failed because the Israelites couldn't do what God required of them. They never, were never able to diligently keep all the terms of the covenant. So it, it fell apart. And secondly, it failed because the sacrifices that were commanded under this covenant couldn't secure forgiveness for their sins. These are important things for us to understand. And so what was the final outcome? Well, around about 500 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar came and he exiled the nation of Israel. He cast them out of the land that God had given to them. The whole covenant that God had made to Abraham seemed like it had fallen apart, seemed like it had been nullified by Israel's disobedience. And then 2,000 years later, in AD 70, this happened again. The Romans sent the nation of Israel out of that land. And you know that that's the way it was from AD 70 until 1948. That's a long time. The nation of Israel, that land that we know as Israel today, was abandoned. It was empty. There were just shepherds and goats and passing through it. There, there were no Jews there. Why? Because of their disobedience. Because the Mosaic Covenant set the terms for them to be able to live in the land under God's blessing. And if they didn't keep the terms of the covenant, then God treated them just like He would any other nation. Okay? But the Abrahamic Covenant still stands. And that's why God has brought them back. One of the greatest miracles of history is that the nation of Israel, after being out of its land for 1900 years, was brought back by God. That nation was reestablished. Have you ever heard of something like that? I just imagine what would happen if we as a people were scattered around the earth for 1900 years. I think we'd probably end up speaking different languages. We would have lost the language that we speak. God has supernaturally sustained the nation of Israel because of His covenant with Abraham and brought them back there. And let me tell you, there's no power in heaven or on earth or under the earth that will stop God keeping this covenant. Any nation that wants to try and remove Israel from that land will fight God. They will be fighting God. Why? Because He's made a covenant with Abraham. And He will stand behind that covenant. Because not only is He a covenant maker, but He is a covenant keeper. Isn't that incredible? So we see that the old covenant, this covenant that Moses made, did not 
fulfilled the purpose that God made it. Why? Because it was dependent on the people. And so what happens is God declares through the prophet Jeremiah in 500 BC that he was going to make a new covenant. Let's just have a look at Hebrews 8. This is what Hebrews is all about. Hebrews 8 verse 7 to 8. He writes, for if the the first covenant, that's the Mosaic covenant, had been faultless, no one would have looked for a second one. In other words, if it had achieved its purpose, the, the purpose for which God made it with the nation of Israel, he would never have talked about a new covenant. But showing its fault, God says to them, look, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will complete a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And this is what we've been looking at and begun to look at here in the letter to Hebrews. So what have we seen so far? I just want to remind you because it was about four weeks ago. What have we seen about this new covenant so far in chapter 8? End of chapter 7 into chapter 8. Number one, it replaces the Mosaic covenant. The new covenant replaces the Mosaic covenant. It makes the first covenant obsolete. Chapter 8 verse 13 says, When he speaks of a new covenant, he makes the first covenant obsolete. So the Mosaic covenant is, it's over. Now what is growing obsolete and aging is about to disappear. Have you ever wondered why God allowed his temple in Jerusalem to be destroyed? In AD 70, you go to Jerusalem today, there's no temple there. That temple was absolutely vital for the old covenant. But God's allowed it to go. And it's interesting that the writer to Hebrews would have, he literally prophesied what would take place about 15 years later. That this covenant would disappear. The old covenant has been done away with. And what happened is this new covenant has been brought in. The second thing we see is that this new covenant is better than the Mosaic covenant in every way. It has a better tabernacle. It has a heavenly dimension to it. The old covenant was just on this level. The new covenant is operational in heaven today. Jesus is the high priest of this new covenant. Where is he today? He's in heaven. So the new covenant actually brings heaven and earth together. It brings heaven and earth into one. The old covenant, God was there and the people were here. And they were told to get on and do what they had to do. But in the new covenant, there is this coming together of heaven and earth. This coming together of God and His people in the most unique way. The gifts and sacrifices of this covenant are superior. And the priest of this covenant is superior. This is what we've been learning. And the promises of this covenant are far better than the promises God gave to the children of Israel through the Mosaic covenant. Thirdly, Jesus is the guarantee of this covenant. This is an incredibly important point. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 22 says, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. What was the guarantee of the Noahic covenant? The rainbow. Every time God looked at that rainbow, He remembers His covenant to keep that covenant. And we can be absolutely certain that God will keep that covenant. And every time we see that rainbow, we are reminded, God is not ever going to destroy this earth with a flood again. Jesus is the guarantee of the new covenant. 
You know that every time the father looks to his right and he sees his son seated at his right hand, he remembers the new covenant. When he sees the, the holes through Jesus' hands and feet, he remembers the new covenant. Jesus is the guarantee of this covenant. This is such an incredible point. I'm going to come back to a little bit to it just now. Fourthly, the new covenant is not like the first covenant. It's not like it. Hebrews 8, 9, it says, It will not be like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I had no regard for them, says the Lord. So what makes this covenant so different? Its success does not depend on the people like the first covenant did. That's what makes this covenant so different. It is dependent on who? Who's the new covenant dependent on? It's dependent on Jesus. He is the guarantee of this covenant. When the first covenant was made, remember God said, if you will diligently listen to me and keep my covenant, then you will be my chosen people, my special possession. The first covenant, the laws of God were written where? Where, did they, where were they written? Tablets of stone. But in the new covenant, God has promised to write His laws, not on tablets of stone out here, but to write His laws on our hearts inside here. Look at, at chapter 8, verse 10 to 12. For this is the covenant that I will establish with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will inscribe them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And there will be no need at all for each one to teach his countrymen or, or each other to teach his brother, saying, uh, Know the Lord, since they will all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their evil deeds and their sins I will remember no longer. This is God's covenant. This is what the new covenant is about. So he promises to write his laws in the people's hearts. Why? So they will keep them. Do you know man can't do anything that's not in his heart? We might be able to do it for a little while, but ultimately if it's not in our heart, we won't be able to do it. And the laws that God gave the children of Israel in, in Sinai, in the wilderness, were written on tablets of stone, but they were never written on their hearts. And that's why they could never keep them. But in the new covenant, God says, I'm not going to just put them on tablets of stone. They're going to be in your hearts. Why? So you will have the power and ability to keep my laws. This is the new covenant. It's a work of God in us that changes us. And this is why in Hebrews 9.15, the writer says, The new covenant guarantees the eternal inheritance to all those God has called. What was the Mosaic Covenant, the Old Covenant given for? To guarantee the eternal inheritance that God promised to Abraham, to Abraham's descendants. What is the New Covenant given for? To guarantee the eternal inheritance to every one of Abraham's descendants. It has been brought in to replace that Old Covenant which failed and to make sure that God can fulfill His promise to Abraham. Are you getting the picture here today? Did you see how all these covenants are working together? 
Now, this brings us to a burning question, which I want to just close today's message with. And this burning question is this. We see that this new covenant was made to a specific group of people. Who was it made with? It was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now, how many of you belong to those houses? How many of you are Israelites or Jews here today? So what about us? This is the burning question. If we can just put it up there. Thanks, Storm. The burning question is this. Seeing the new covenant was made specifically with the house of Israel and Judah, can the Gentiles, in other words, everyone that is not Jewish or is not an Israelite, benefit from it? I mean, what relevance does this have to us? God made it with this particular group of people. And everyone else is outside. So does the new covenant relevant to us? As people who are not Jews and not Israelites? Well, the answer is yes, it is. But there is only one way that people can become a part of God's covenant and His covenant people. And the writer to, the, to Hebrews doesn't actually tell us about this. Why? Because he wasn't writing to Gentiles. He was writing to Jews. He was writing to Israelites. He didn't need to tell them about this. But in Scripture elsewhere, particularly in Romans and in the book of Ephesians and even in the book of Galatians, Paul the Apostle goes into great detail about how God has purposed to bring Gentiles into this covenant. That means there's hope for you and me. God has made it possible and how has he made it possible? This is where the Davidic covenant comes in. So let's just have a quick look at this covenant. Psalm 89 verse 3 says this. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have made a promise on oath to David, my servant. So God made a covenant with King David. What was the purpose of this covenant? What did God promise on oath to David? We see it in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 11 to 14. Listen to these words. This is what God promised him. When the time comes for you to die, this is God speaking to David, I will raise up your descendant, one of your own sons, one of your own sons, to succeed you. And I will establish his kingdom, and he will build a house, and I will make his dynasty permanent. I will become his father and he will become my son. I will never withhold my loyal love from him as I withheld it from the one who ruled before, before you, that was Saul. I will put him in permanent charge of my house and my kingdom and his dynasty will be permanent. Who's he talking about? Jesus, that's exactly it. Now you understand why when Jesus was walking through the the lands of Israel, they would shout out, Son of David! What were they referring back to? They were referring back to this covenant that God made with David, where he said, I will put one of your sons on your throne. In other words, you're going to be the king of Israel. This, this one's going to be the king of Israel. He's going to be the king of the Jews. He's going to be your son. And he's going to have control over my entire kingdom. That's what God said. And so when people shouted out, Son of David, they were saying to Jesus, We believe that you are the one God spoke about when he made a covenant with 
David. If you remember, there was a time when some of his disciples came to Jesus and he, he said, I think it was um, Philip, I think it was. He said, um, I saw you sitting under a fig tree. And Philip said, you are the king of Israel. What was Philip saying there? He was saying, you're the one that God spoke about when he made this covenant with David. So the Davidic covenant points to Jesus, points to his coming, his, in, his uh, coming right into this earth, his incarnation, and to his ascension and his enthronement over the kingdom of God. Do you know that he is the king of Israel, the king of the Jews? And so what does this mean to us? Well, this is what it means. It means that everyone, and let's just put this up and I'll read it if you can put that up. Any Israelite or Jew who rejects Jesus as their king, remember Jesus has been made king of Israel, will be cut off from the covenant God has made with Israel. To the contrary, whenever a Gentile hears about Jesus through the gospel and believes in him and receives him as his or her king and becomes subservient to him, they become a part of the people over which God made him king forever. The very people the new covenant has been made with. I don't know, is that clear? Can you see what I'm saying here today? What is the way for people that are Gentiles to come into the new covenant? It's through Jesus Christ. If you could put the next slide up. Let's have a look at that. So what we see here is we see you've got Gentiles outside the covenant. You've got God's covenant with Israel. Gentiles excluded. How do Gentiles come into the covenant? One way. Through faith in Jesus. When we receive Jesus as our king. When we put our faith in him and we honor him and serve him as the king over our lives. God grafts us in to His covenant people. And we become a part of His covenant people. Okay, Any Jew or Israelite that rejects Jesus as king, what are they doing? They're actually cutting themselves off from God's covenant people. And so this covenant all centers in and around the Lord Jesus Christ. Today I want to ask a question. Have we, each and every single one of us here, have we received Jesus as King? Have we bowed our knee to Jesus? Do we recognize that He's the one that God has seated on His throne and has given dominion over all His people? He's the one that God has tasked to build a house. He's the one that sits on David's throne. We, we sing it. Or talk about it at every Christmas, don't we? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. You know the passage? And it, of his kingdom there will be no end. That's what it's all about. It's all to do with this Davidic covenant. And the way you and I enter into the blessing of the new covenant is through faith in Jesus Christ. If he's our king, we're his people. And the covenant of God applies to us. If he's not our king, we're not his people. And we're outside. We're in the darkness still. 
We have no covenant with God. So this is very important because a lot of people think that God's covenant has been made with the whole earth. It hasn't. It's been made with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And the only way people can become a part of it is for them to be grafted into that house. And that's through faith in Jesus Christ. No one who has not been grafted into that house will ever receive the benefits of this covenant. And when we look at the benefits of this covenant, part of it is the forgiveness of our sins. When we are grafted in, when we put our faith in Jesus and we're grafted into this covenant, God says, I will forgive their sins and I will remember their wickedness no longer. It gets wiped out, blotted out, removed from our books that are in heaven. When God opens those pages, they blank. Absolutely wiped out. No memory of them ever again. Isn't that incredible? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you today that you as the supreme, sovereign, almighty creator would see fit to stoop down and enter into covenant with us, your creation. We want to thank you for the covenants that you've made through history, which stand to this very day. We want to thank you, Father, for giving us understanding of these things, the mysteries of God that are revealed in Scripture. And thank you that you have called each and every one of us through faith in Jesus Christ to be your covenant people. Thank you that we can stand before you today even though at one time we were excluded, even though one time we were outside of your covenant, thank you that we can stand before you today and we can say that you are our God and we are your people. Thank you for the promises of the covenant that we have. Thank you for Jesus who has made it all possible, who is the guarantee of this covenant that we stand in. Lord, I thank you. And I ask that you would help each and every one of us to understand these most important truths. To deeply understand them. So that our lives may be grounded and rooted and established in them. Father, thank you for every person here today. Thank you for your hand upon our lives. Thank you that you've brought us in. Thank you that we are a part of your covenant people today. And I pray for every person here, Lord, who might still be on the outside, who's never come into that relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of Israel. I pray for them today that they would not hesitate, that they would not hold back, but they would do this very thing and that they would join themselves to your covenant people through faith in Jesus. I ask this today in Jesus' name. Amen.